1: Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank
0: you to the geniuses of and audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. It's Friday, October 7th. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this is The Daily Dive. Parents, students, and educators have been alarmed recently with the increase of gun confiscations and shootings at school campuses, but also with an increase of swatting events, hoax 911 calls about active shooters. In response, school districts are beefing up security with new metal detectors, random searches, and anonymous tip lines. Scott Calvert, reporter at the Wall Street Journal, joins us for how gun and student behavioral problems are on the rise. Next, as prices continue to remain high due to inflation, the big question is when will they come down? Unfortunately, for some goods and services, when prices go up, they tend to stay that way. These items are referred to as being sticky and can include things like the cost of a haircut, household furnishings, baby clothes, alcohol, and medical care. Julia Carpenter, reporter at the Wall Street Journal, joins us for what to know about sticky prices. Finally, why do pets do the quirky things they do? A lot of their actions tend to have evolutionary roots or are based on bonds they have created with you. Some researchers think dogs circle before they poop to align themselves with the Earth's magnetic field and paw the ground after to deposit scents and mark territory. Cats, on the other hand, bury their ways to cover their tracks. Marlene Simmons, contributor to the Washington Post, joined us for more. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in.
1: always looking for new ideas so the metal detectors are always one of the things we're looking at um at this point um, we feel like that we're um, looking at some other options including that and seeing how what's the best um, tool to implement um, inside our schools right now
0: joining us now is scott calvert reporter at the wall street journal thanks for joining us scott
2: thanks for having me on
0: Well, we're seeing right now uh, a lot of uh, educators, a lot of students, a lot of parents really worried about what they're seeing going on in the schools. We've seen an increase in gun confiscations. We've seen an increase in shootings and uh, the other side of things, an increase in swatting. So hoaxes, people calling police departments saying, hey, there's an active shooter situation going on, whatever the case may be. And you know and then they have to turn up and nothing's there. but we're seeing a rise in all of these problems they're they're responding by beefing up security measures, but some of them think it's still kind of holdover from the pandemic and a lack of emotional maturity, more access to guns. there's a lot of stuff going on with all of this. So Scott, tell us what we're seeing with uh, with all these increases
2: yeah, well, that's exactly right. there's definitely been an increase in these gun related incidents depending on sort of how you how you measure it. so I can give you just a couple statistics maybe to put it in context so, when it comes to gun confiscations, where they find a gun in somebody, in a student's car maybe, or in their backpack, something like that. So there's a group called the Gun Violence Archive, and they mostly use media reports to, to track these. And what they found is that just in August and September of this year, so basically the first two months of the school year, there were more than 220 of those gun seizures. And if you go back to uh, last year during that same period in 2019, before the pandemic, in those same two months... We're talking about 130 or so so from two, from 130 or so to 220 big increase and then on the on the shooting side you know there's a group called the k- 12 school shooting database and basically they look at anything where a gun is brandished. so like somebody takes it out and like points it at somebody or the gun is fired or even a bullet hits the hits the school and this can be during school or at night on weekends and they look at all of those and what they have found was that so far this calendar year there have been more than 220 of those. And during the same period last year, we're talking about 182. So a decent size increase there percentage-wise. And in, a, in about half of those 220 plus incidents, there was at least one shooting victim, right? So somebody actually actually got shot. So pretty concerning there. And then just on the, on the swatting, where again, like you were saying, somebody calls 911 and says, hey, there's an active shooter at whatever school. And you know the, the police rush there because they don't know. Um, and then they get there and come to find out that it's all a hoax. And in that context, there's a group called the National Association of School Resource Officers, and they say since September 9th, so not that long ago, just the last month or so, they have found, seen incidents along these lines in at least 17 states plus Washington, D.C. And so, (laughs) across the board, you see this this increase that is really causing a lot of concern.
0: And, you know, how does this manifest, right? there's uh, Situations are different in all cases, but in uh, your article, you talked about Rock Hill, South Carolina, where they recovered guns at three schools on three consecutive days, to just kind of illustrate how how crazy the problem is. And one of them, it was a 14-year-old Student, he was in a fight in the bathroom. The gun fell out of his pants. He picked it up and pointed it at another student. I mean, this is right. some of the types of ways these things are happening.
2: Yeah, and I, and I was talking with the superintendent there, and he said that was the most disturbing because it was a middle school. And also, uh, you had somebody pointing a gun at a, at a fellow student. In the other two cases, they both happened in high schools. And, and the superintendent said, you know, the good news there is that in one case, one student overheard other students talking about how. One of them had a gun. It was in, it was found in the car. But that student, you know, went to an adult and said, "Hey, I heard this," and that takes some courage, I think, for a high schooler to do that because you know there's this whole sort of don't snitch kind of culture. And then the other case, the school resource officer, which who is a, a police officer who, who's detailed to the school to provide armed security, he noticed something suspicious in a cafeteria and it was another student doing something kind of you know suspicious with a, with, a, with another student. And so the school resource officer went back to the his office and looked at video footage on his computer from before he walked in and he was even more concerned and so the upshot there is that they eventually found a loaded nine millimeter handgun okay. in that kid's backpack
0: that is a scary situation and that's a particular one because they spoke to the student and he said i just I knew i was going to encounter somebody you know on the schoolyard or at the bus stop or whatever it was and he says you know i just yeah. uh, I, I needed to be prepared already so i just to be in that mindset for a student is just really crazy. And so how are school districts responding to all this? They're beefing up security. Yeah, well, so they got, uh, you know, these uh, metal detectors. They're doing random right. checks. They have anonymous right. tip lines set up. How are they responding?
2: And as you say, it's, this, there's a definite sense that the pandemic is part of what's going on here, right? Because, first of all, society-wide, we've had this big increase in violent crime across the United States. So schools are a mirror of society in that sense. Also, you've got these kids who many of them are still dealing socially with all the chaos and discombobulation of the pandemic. But then part of it also is the sense that, you know, there is better detection. You've got kids, you know, using the tip lines or going to an adult and also things like these random searches. So it's sort of a combination of maybe more guns in general coming to the schools, but also greater uh, success at detecting them. And, you know, metal detectors are kind of a tricky area because, in in part, because they're, they're sort of difficult to kind of move kids through in an orderly way. We've all been to events where there's sort of a line because it's taking a while to get through security. But I did talk with the uh, Wichita, Kansas school system, and they just spent about a million bucks buying 58 of these portable metal detectors. And this particular brand, they say that, you know, you don't have to to take keys out of your pocket or things out of your backpack, that somehow the device is sophisticated enough to recognize, distinguish a gun, say, from, I don't know, a lunchbox or some other metal object. And so the hope is that will sort of keep things moving, but it will also help them detect these, but also deter kids from bringing them in the first place if they think they might
0: get caught, right? Scott Calvert, reporter at The Wall Street Journal. Thank you very much for joining us.
2: Thanks for having
3: me. Sticky prices are still high, and they're less likely to change because sticky prices, the reason they get their name is that when they go up, they have a much harder time coming down.
0: Joining us now is Julia Carpenter, reporter at The Wall Street Journal. Thanks for joining us, Julia. Thanks so much for having me. Well, we're all grappling with inflation right now. We're seeing the rising costs all over the place. It's been uh with us for some time now and you know, the big question is always you want to know when things are going to start leveling off, when they're going to start going down. And there's certain things where we've seen the price fluctuate. Gas is a good example. It went really high for a moment, dipped back down and starting to kind of normalize out a little bit. But You know there's a lot of other things out there that the prices go up they tend to stay up they're known as sticky high prices and there's even a price index (laughs) that uh, deals with these particular things so we're looking at things like you know appliances uh home furnishings um certain things like that and unfortunately those things just do not go back down as quickly so julia help us walk through some of this what are we looking at with these sticky high prices
3: I was looking into this because I talked to so many people who are having trouble setting their budgets right now. There are people who feel like they're good budgeters. They feel like they can adapt. They can make substitutions. They can roll with the punches. But they're noticing that certain parts of their budget are just more inflexible than ever before. And it's it's taking them by surprise. The Atlanta Fed measures a sticky price consumer price index. So when I was looking at that to try to better understand what sticky inflation is, what sticky prices is, I was immediately struck that that sticky price consumer price index is up 6.1% year over year, which means that even though we've seen a slight decrease in inflation, we had those numbers come out a little while ago and everybody was very happy to see that. Sticky prices are still high. And they're less likely to change because sticky prices, the reason they get their name is that when they go up, they have a much harder time coming down.
0: And so what kind of things, uh, goods and services are we looking at when we're talking about sticky prices? You mentioned in the article, haircuts could be one of them. They've risen 4.4% from a year ago. Car repairs, are up 11%. I just uh maybe a few weeks ago got a uh, text from my barber saying, "Oh, you know, the new price of the haircut actually has gone up. It's in line with right. what other barbers are doing, you know, in this right. area and everything." And I was like, "You know, I obviously you're going to still pay it and all that, but I was like, wow, okay. So, yeah, everything is going up. So, haircuts is one of these. But what what else are we looking at?
3: It's a lot of things like durable goods and service-based goods. And what I mean by that are it's things like appliances, some of the bigger ticket items like vehicles. But it's also things like haircuts, again, being a great example where wages have gone up. Wages are sticky. They've gone up. They have a much harder time going down. So something that requires wages like car repairs, like haircuts, like a lot of personal care services, spa treatments or these other things that we consider to be personal care services, they all are going up too and they will come down much more slowly as a result.
0: I, I've noticed that even in the restaurant industry too, you know, prices of some dishes have gone up, and man, those they don't go back down, right? That's like the new set bar for those prices of certain things like that. We're also uh, looking at that Atlanta's Fed's sticky list: baby clothes, alcohol, education, right, public transportation, right. medical care. You know, a very important things. All of that tends to stay higher, and, and when we're looking at time frames, how long can they remain at those elevated prices?
3: So something is considered sticky by the Atlanta Fed when it takes more than four months to change in price, and that's not decrease in price, that's change in price. So we we can expect to see four months or more of these prices staying high. But the other thing that I will point out is that when I was speaking with Brent Meyer, an economist at the Atlanta Fed, he really wanted to make this point. And I don't want to say it's scary, but it's definitely something that consumers need to keep in mind, which is that these prices have been much more volatile. So sticky prices in the past would slowly rise over time. But since the pandemic, we've seen them increase much more sharply and change price much more quickly. Again, always going up. So just definitely something to keep in mind.
0: One of the things with all of this is that we've been seeing this persistent upward movement. So, I mean, we, you know, to the point of right, the whole inflation thing. We've just been seeing prices get higher so much. And when we talk about, you made mention in the article too, kind of figuring out the different pieces of the budgeting puzzle. The immediate things happen right away. You get substitutions to your favorite brands. You start looking for deals and other discounts. You shop around much more, right, looking for those low prices. But these sticky prices, these sticky items really make it tough, you know, as you mentioned, trying to budget for the future because you don't know how long it's going to stay that way.
3: And a frustration I hear from consumers a lot is that they've already made a lot of the changes that they can make, especially for consumers who make less money. You know, they've already done without when they can do without. They've already made substitutions. They've already shopped for deals. They're kind of throwing up their hands and saying, what else can I do to handle this?
0: looking at the silver lining I guess we're talking about budgeting too it's tough to do I guess with some of these stickier things like household furnishings and you know major appliances maybe you can hold off and, and you know not to buy now but you know the flip side is if an emergency happens and you need those things you're kind of stuck in the lurch there.
3: And I think the other thing about this is that it just makes a bit more transparent how things are priced. When you're understanding, okay, fruits and vegetables change with frequency, gas changes with frequency, some of these other things don't, you can then build that into your budget. It requires, again, more puzzling, more effort than before, but at least it's a bit more easier to understand.
0: Julia Carpenter, reporter at The Wall Street Journal, thank you very much for joining us.
3: Thank you for having me.
4: they love these safe cozy places to hang out it's it's right. kind of like their apartments is what someone once told me about the dogs when i said do i really want to do this <laughs> you know that did not make it into the article but again that's very wolf-like it's wolf-like behavior joining
0: us now is marlene simmons contributor to the washington post thanks for joining us marlene
4: oh thanks for having me it's a pleasure to be
0: with you today Well, we here at The Daily Dive, we love our animals, and I always love a good animal story. So uh, you wrote up an article for The Post talking about the science of pet quirks and why they do the crazy little things that they do. I have a French bulldog. His name is Rigby. My favorite thing that he does is when we give him a a bone or a treat or something, you know, we'll throw it on the floor for him so he can get it. And he'll go to it and he'll start dancing around it and shaking his head around and everything. For us, it's funny. It's so cute and we love it. And we're always, always, I always ask my wife, why is he doing that? Why is it, you know, but a lot of this stuff, uh, these strange pet behaviors you know, are rooted in some weird evolutionary roots. Uh, Sometimes it's something that they've developed with you as a human over time. You know, there's a lot that goes into it. So, Marlene, tell us a little bit about it.
4: I think it's a combination of things. I think it's, you know, dogs are descended from wolves. And some of this behavior that you see in your dogs clearly is wolf-like behavior. Making the bed... Does your little dog get up on your bed and sort of scrabble around on the covers? Oh, yeah. You know, the human description of that is that they are making their beds. But what they're really doing is what they would have done in nature, which is trying to find a safe, warm place to sleep. Actually, it's interesting because one thing that did not make it into the article, I mean, it made it into the article, but got cut. You know, people, humans, sometimes don't like the idea of putting their dogs in crates. Mm -hmm. I don't know if your dog is crate trained or not. No, he's not, And people just think it's, mean-spirited and cruel and actually it's not it's it's the it's the modern incarnation of the wolf den they love these safe cozy places to hang out it's it's kind of like their apartments is what someone once told me about the dogs when i said do i really want to do this you (laughs) know that did not make it into the article but again that's very wolf-like it's wolf-like behavior what you're describing sounds more like what someone called zoomies and they have where the dogs sort of run around and like crazy and it's like they're releasing this excess energy, and they don't know where that comes from. I don't, that, that's...
0: Yeah, my and, gu- and my little guy does that, too. Uh, just get that energy out, and then he tires himself out. Uh, some of these other ones are pretty interesting. You know, why do they circle before they poop? Some, <laughs> some researchers say it's, a te- it's an attempt to align with the Earth's magnetic field. Yeah, that's something that really mystifies
4: me. I've, yeah. I've had a tough time figuring that one out, but that's what the research seems to suggest, although not everybody buys it, but they do that. One of my dogs, I have two dogs. One of them does that one of them does not do it so i don't know one of them scratches the ground one yeah. of them paws the same one who circles paws the ground afterwards and the other one does not
0: my dog know. does that too and, and researchers say that they're what they're doing when they when they paw at the ground after that they're depositing scent in those areas it's a way to mark yeah, their territory correct.
4: correct and also attract other dogs and sometimes if you're walking your dog you'll see he'll go yeah. crazy smelling the ground because some other dog has been there probably pawing it before he gets there right. I mean, you can tell, I mean, their sense of smell is really quite extraordinary. And it's like hundreds of times better than human, than the human ability to smell.
0: Cats, on the other hand, uh, always try to bury their waste. They, they, yes. they, they want to <laughs> cover their tracks. So it's a equal, complete polar equal opposite.
4: For, equal time for cats in yeah. this discussion, right? <laughs> sure. <laughs> I, we believe in that. I have two cats as well as two dogs. So, And that, again, is, I think one of the, one of the researchers said, maintaining a low profile, it's the modern-day version of maintaining a low profile because cats are sort of right in the middle of the food chain. They're both prey and predators, so they don't want to be prey, basically. Yeah. And if they act like prey, they're going to get treated like prey. That's here's, what I always tell. Here's, Go ahead.
0: Here's another one. Uh, when uh, your dog starts licking you, a lot of people saying, oh, they're <laughs> giving me kisses. Uh, well, they're not really actually kissing you, uh-huh. but they are manipulating you in certain ways.
4: Well, yes and no. I'm, I'm laughing because... I want to tell you what the wolf behavior is that's related to licking. And it's kind of graphic. Wolf pups lick their parents' faces to get food. Um, And what happens, the way they do this, the parents gorge themselves on food this mm-hmm. was explained to me by a researcher and i sort of felt it was like too much for the story so i didn't put it in there but they gorge themselves on food and when their offspring lick their faces they regurgitate the food they vomit sure. it up and okay. that's what the that's i'm sorry uh, but everybody's
0: <laughs> familiar that the mama birds do that too oh right 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 uh, you know, but yeah. the other the other flip side of that is you know it could be like a little sign of submission you know they're you're yes. they're, you're their yes. their parent their pack leader right and they want to yes. uh, you know let you know that they're there for you kind of on that one and
4: i I suspect when dogs lick people's faces, they're smelling food on the faces on sure? the bre- in the breath. That's what's going on. There. Have, it's not. Yeah, if you want to think it's a kiss, feel. <laughs> go ahead.
0: I have a beard. You know, I knock need, yourself out. Just I have a beard. Like, I know my dog is smelling uh, food on, um, on um, the, sure crumbs. Crumbs <laughs> on the beard. Yes. And and as you meant. And uh, on that note too, smell right is a great motivator. Yes. You were talking about. Yes socks and everything like that. That's why you know yeah the, the animals the cats can do it the dogs can do it um right. you know always want to get your socks they want to be closer they want to smell you and and exactly. you know, that's one of those things that they'll do.
4: Exactly. One of my cats is obsessed with my socks. He's not the one who's in my story, but he sort of gave me the idea to ask around to see if I could find another cat. And you'd be surprised how common this is. I find my socks all over the house. And I know it's, for reasons I won't go into, I've sort of deduced that he's responsible for it. And now I have to hide them. The thing is, I have to hide them because I don't want my dogs chewing on the socks. I don't think they would go after the socks, but my cats can jump up where dogs cannot. So that's how I know he's getting the socks. He's getting socks out of the laundry basket.
0: Marlene Simmons, contributor to The Washington Post, thank you very much for joining us.
4: Oh, thanks for having me. You take care.
0: That's it for today. Join us on social media, at Daily Dive Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow us on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of The Daily Dive is produced by Victor Wright, and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this was your Daily Dive.
4: I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico.